Today's show is brought to you by Pleasureland RV, best in the Midwest. Learn more at PleasurelandRV.com. Today's show also brought to you by The Vault at Stock and Barrel in Egan, a collection of specialty and pre-owned firearms for collectors and enthusiasts. Learn more at StockandBarrel.com. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830 on this Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Welcome, everybody, to the broadcast. We are live and local for the next one hour. I am Rob Dreesline, your humble host, uh, managing editor and publisher of the Outdoor News Publications when I'm not here at WCCO. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed a great firearms deer opener weekend, which is uh, just wrapping up as we speak. I mean, it's dark out now, thanks to the end of daylight savings time. I'm quick rant about that one or the other, huh, folks? Right, right. Should, I, I firmly believe we need to either stick with daylight saving time year year round or, or standard time. The uh, the time the older I get, the more the time changes mess up my sleep for about two weeks after the change. So I'm uh, I'm ready for that to end. I saw a nice uh, op-ed in the Star Tribune uh, trying to split the difference with everybody who's arguing uh, whether or not we should go one or the other, and just said. Split the difference. Just go 30 minutes. That That's fine with me, too. But I, I just quick little advocacy there. I would like to see that. And anyway, wrapping up firearms deer opener weekend. Uh, perfect weather, I would say, for, for deer hunting. Uh, not, uh, not too cold uh, for guys to uh, want to leave the woods because it's down in the teens or single digits. I mean, it was 30s and 40s and 50s. Uh, so guys are staying in the woods. That's the best way to get a deer, right, is uh, staying in the woods. And also cool enough to get the deer moving. Uh, you know, the, the the rut is on. I, he- I heard some good rutting reports, rutting bucks running around. Uh, so uh, really a positive weekend. The, the only negative, I would say, was it was a heck of a Vikings game. Uh, and, and it was you know right in the middle of today, right in the midday. That sometimes will uh, move people out of the woods, right, to go watch uh, some football. Uh, so... Uh, Congratulations to the Vikings, but I uh, I hope people had a good uh, opener. I had quick, there was a quick news uh, at the top there that Governor Walls called the weekend incredible. I'm hoping to get Taylor Bester from Bluffland's Whitetails with us here in a few minutes. I, Bluffland's Whitetails Association was one of the host organizations for the governor's opener down in Lanesboro. It was down at the Eagle Bluff uh, Environmental Learning Center. I, th- I believe it was a facility that hosted it. Uh, we'll uh, try to get him. If not, maybe we'll hit up Eli Mansfield from uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the other host organization, to see uh, how that event came off. I saw a lot of nice social media posts about it. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to check in with Pat Durkin. Pat joined me, I think, once before late last year or early this year. He's an outdoors writer in Wisconsin, and uh, he really a great source for what's cooking in the Badger State. And there's a number of things that have happened there in recent weeks. Their DNR secretary, which is our equivalent of DNR commissioner, just up and quit here a couple weeks ago. We'll find out what that was about. all about. The gentleman had only been on the job for about 10 months. And then they also passed their wolf plan. And I'm not clear if that means that that wolf plan is set for good now or if uh, perhaps uh, they, uh, there's still an opportunity to, to revamp it. Uh, we will talk with Pat Durkin about that a little bit. I did not get out hunting this weekend. Quite often I miss the regular firearms opener because of something involving my kids. That was, again, the case this year. 
My uh, youngest son is a senior at Eden Prairie High School on the cross-country team. He's one of the captains. I'm a little bit proud of him. And they, uh, he participated in the state cross-country meet yesterday at the Les Bolstad Golf Course, University of Minnesota. Back there for the first time in like 32 years, St. Olaf College had hosted it for several decades. Uh, but uh, back uh, here in the Twin Cities, and his team did well. Uh, and uh, we're excited for uh, for them that they got their Nike Invitational next weekend in Sioux Falls. So still some uh, cross-country wrapping up. But congratulations to all the runners participating in that event. A lot of just uh, tremendous athletes. It was fun to, to watch them having a good time. Uh, like I say, we've got, uh, we're, we're wrapping up Deer Opener Weekend. I had some stats in my column that I thought were kind of interesting going into uh, this year's Deer Opener, the, the Firearms Opener. Let's be clear. I mean, you know, the bow season's been going for, what, not quite two months. So there's been a lot of deer hunting already. We had an antlerless deer season several weeks ago. We had a youth deer hunting season several weeks ago. So deer have already been pursued several times, but this is the big one. And it's important because if you listen, I believe it was last week, Barb Keller from the DNR said like 30 to 40% of the year's entire deer kill for the across all seasons occurs this weekend. Yesterday or today, you got, you know, 400,000-plus hunters going out and hitting the woods collectively, and they push deer around, and they kill a lot of deer. And so it's a really important weekend for managing white-tailed deer in our fine state. Uh, and I, and I, hope, uh, I indeed hope that they were uh, successful. Going into the weekend, deer kill was down. Now, it's a, it's a small sample size because you're really just talking about some of those seasons I just mentioned. But it was down um, 18% from last year and down 11% from the five-year mean. That included that Camp Ripley archery deer hunt, which is real popular, the 53,000-acre Camp Ripley uh, military reservation uh, allows hunters to come in one three-day weekend per year by permit. A lot of guys like to get up there and do that because there's some big bucks running around that chunk of property. They were down a little bit too, I don't know, down like from 240 to 200, something like that. But I thought it was a little interesting seeing that the kill was down a smidge, especially considering the bow hunters are able to use crossbows this year. Uh, And I thought there might be a nice little pulse with the bow hunting season associated with all these guys maybe saying, hey, I'm going to buy a a crossbow and go out. And and there might be some extra pressure as a result of that. Uh, And and indeed, bow bow hunting licenses are up from the same time a year ago a little bit. They're, they have not eclipsed last year's total harvest. Uh, well, last year's total harvest was 101,555. That was down 3% from 2021. Uh, and as of last Thursday, obviously with a lot of archery seasons still to go, that season goes until the end of the year, the number was at about 95,000. So down, yeah, what, a little over 6,000, 6,500 from the total sales last year. But again, there's a lot of season, a lot of runway left to go. Uh, And I think that the crossbow sale thing alone is going to boost archery license sales through the, by the end of the year, by December 31st. We'll see if I am correct. And if maybe that helps keep deer, the deer harvest going uh, as, as we get late in the season, you know, we might have some guys and gals who were unsuccessful this weekend who are hedging their bets and like, you know what? I might buy one of those crossbows and get out and hunt uh, in uh, late November or even December. I typically like to get out, because I always have these conflicts around the regular opener, 
Uh, I like to get out for that 3B opener. The Southeast has two separate seasons. 3B is two weeks from yesterday, and I'm going to try to get out for that. That is also, by the way, the same day as the uh, Wisconsin deer opener. They always have their opener a little bit later, and they do have more guys and gals that get out and hunt that than, uh, than even hunt here in Minnesota. Why don't we get in a break? We'll see if we can check in with someone who participated in that governor's deer opener and get some field reports from this weekend's Firearms Deer Opener Weekend. I'm Rob Jerislein. You're listening to WCCO Outdoors. We're back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. Rob Dreesline is with you here until 6 p.m. talking outdoors across our fine state of Minnesota. Uh, you might recall last week Tom Carpenter called in from Pheasants Forever. He, if you listen close, he said he was on his way to South Dakota for some uh, pheasant hunting uh, after the, uh, the, I guess it would have been eight, nine days after the opener. He was going to get out there after maybe the crowds dissipated a bit. I did get a nice email from Tom saying he had a pretty good week out there, uh, that he got into some good birds, and he was coming back looking forward to hunting Minnesota more because he'd had good success here in Minnesota. So uh, corn is coming down rapidly. We've heard that from uh, some of our deer hunters, and that's good for pheasant hunters also. Hey, I want to talk about the big event that occurred down in southeast Minnesota this weekend, uh, the uh, Governor's Deer Opener, which is a relatively new event. That's nowhere near as, that hasn't been anywhere near as, around as long as, as the fishing opener. And one of the host organizations was Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And a gentleman who is the leader of that organization, the state chair of that organization, Eli Mansfield, is going to check in with us now. He might be hunting as we speak. Eli, are you still in a tree stand or are you, you all wrapped up for the day? I, I wrapped up uh, what we got. Nine minutes early, nine minutes early. So, but but you know I love you, Rob. So I'll uh, I'll be out of the stand. I'm here with you. I sure appreciate you calling in real quick, uh, kind of on short notice. Uh, but yeah, BHA was one of the host organizations uh, for the Governor's Deer Opener this year. Uh, MDHA, the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, didn't want to participate this year. I believe you guys partnered uh, with uh, Bluffland's Whitetails. Uh, the festivities got going. I think Thursday night, and then Friday was busy. Uh, tell us, uh, did it did it come off well? Did you guys pull it off? I hope so. No, I think we did. Absolutely, think we did. Our partners were Bluffland Whitetail there in the Lanesboro area, where the Governor's Deer Opener was held, and uh, Minnesota Conservation Federation. So, uh, in in tandem, the three of us went ahead and uh, we partnered. Our our goal was to make sure that uh, we had a seat at the table for the complex discussions that come with conservation, especially around deer here in the state of Minnesota. And uh, yeah, you have a good crowd, and, and the governor showed up. I guess the first thing I should ask is, did the governor score a deer? How did he do? He did not score a deer. A um, little bit too too far out of range down there, but they, they did have some really nice bucks. Um, he got a couple photos of a few that were working through the field that he was sitting on. Um, I think he had a pretty exciting day. We we actually wrapped up and had breakfast with him at the end of the morning. And, um, you know, it was my wife's first deer hunt. She was actually oh, my great. mentee. This year. And uh, she and the governor sat and swapped stories of, uh, of hunting and, and, and bird hunting and, and deer hunting. And um, although he uh, he didn't get one, you know, the, the main thing and the thing that I, he and I had talked about was, you know, he, he's there, he's showing up, and he's participating in the conservation aspect in the conservation theory in the conservation work that we're doing it's it's more than just showing up and shooting it's making sure that we're talking and have uh, everybody involved in protecting our wild places and wild things 
The Eagle Bluff Environmental Learning Center down there in Lanesboro hosted it. That's a marvelous facility. It's been a number of years since I've been there. I need to get back down there, especially since I'm a, I'm a Southeast guy myself. Uh, the uh, what, what what were some of the events you had? I know uh, some of the uh, the Southeast Asian folks uh, did did like a a, 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 some, a bunch of recipes, a bunch of venison recipes. Uh, did you learn anything new there, Eli? I did. I learned that uh, venison egg rolls is is my <laughs> new the rest of the year. Um, no, we 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 were at uh, Eagle Bluff, and I Rob, I can't say enough about that facility and, and Colleen and what her team is doing there. Um, you know, they're really focusing on the mental health aspects of connecting children to the outdoors. Um, over 16,000 uh, students go through there in a year. And I, I, I really recommend anyone who's interested, um, take a look at that group, Eagle Bluff Environmental Learning Center and the work they've done. Our, our uh, entire event started with a listening session. Um, it was a roundtable discussion. We had hunters from all across uh, the hunting realm, whether that be the, the public land, ab, you know, advocates like us, uh, capable partners was there. We had members from the 4-H shooting sports. Uh, we had members from National Wildlife Federation, Minnesota Conservation Federation, and, and the list goes on, uh, and, and actually local business leaders from the Lanesboro area. And our goal in the, that discussion was really to make sure that, that we, as the utilizers of our public lands and of our uh, uh, wildlife, we were heard, and that we were understanding how we can hold our agency accountable to what our, our other hunters and what our other members are really hearing, what they're experiencing and what they're seeing when they're out there day to day. Following the listening session, we had a, the, the fantastic uh, meal. It was from a couple of our Hmong community members put together this, this incredible egg roll and uh, venison salad. Mm. Believe it or not, best thing that we had there. I believe um, it. And the governor was <laughs> he, he partook and, and we had a fantastic time and then we went over to Sylvan Brewing, had a great pint night, brought the Lanesboro community together, and and then we headed out in the morning, and everybody got in the stands. I should point out, BHA hosts a whole bunch of pint nights uh, throughout the year. Uh, there was one in Minnetonka here 10 days ago or so that I participated in. It was really fun to catch up with a lot of folks. If folks want to see a list of where those upcoming pine nights are so they can get together and commiserate with you and some of the other backcountry hunters and anglers members, where can they do that? Just backcountryhunters.org and then look for the uh, the Minnesota page? Backcountryhunters.org. Go to chapters, click Minnesota. You'll see all the local events. You can actually type your zip code in and set a radius. Uh, it'll show you what's close. Or you can follow us on Instagram. BHA uh, Minnesota chapter backcountry hunters and anglers that's BHA underscore MN we'd love to see you out and uh, again the, the idea here is that, uh, that it wasn't about uh, left and right it's, it's not about a political spectrum it's really a, it's not about red and blue it was about orange it was about the blaze orange <laughs> the tradition that's what we were here to do and, and I really think we uh, we did it successfully and Rob thanks so much for giving us a chance to, to recap and uh, and highlight here this evening you, you bet and a couple of uh, other quick things one did they decide where it's going to be next year next year's uh, uh, deer, governor's deer opener was that announced it was not we haven't announced it yet okay. um, you know some of us we, we were hoping to have a follow-up meeting here and a wrap-up after hunting's done this evening and um, everybody can get a chance to the chat, and we can see what uh, what worked well, what didn't go well, and what we're going to do better next time. I should point out that the uh, governor's fishing opener, I believe, we just found out the location of that in the past week to 10 days. That's going to be in Lake City, also in uh, southeastern Minnesota. So the governor getting uh, putting, putting some miles on down to the southeast. Uh, and we should also mention uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers National Rendezvous going to be here in uh, St. Paul at the fairgrounds in April, correct? 
That is correct. Yeah, our national rendezvous, April 18th through the 20th. We want everyone to come out to that. You don't have to be a member. If you like the outdoors, if you like hunting and fishing, come out, uh, meet some of the BHA folks, meet people from all across the outdoor hunting industry. Um, there'll be people there from, from any and all of your brands you've ever seen. We're going to have turkey calling competitions. We're going to have a brew fest. Um, it's going to be a giant celebration of conservation of public lands and waters across our country. The fact that it's happening in St. Paul, I, I couldn't be more proud uh, to be a Minnesotan and be able to showcase Minnesota to everyone across the country. Uh, Eli, before I let you go, how's the deer hunting? Uh, great. Uh, it seemed like pretty pretty solid weather for deer hunting. Did you see anything? Uh, you heard any good hunting reports? Uh, I've heard some good reports. I, my wife and I sat. Um, we had a slow morning pretty much all the way across that little river bluff area where we were. Um, a lot of folks had, had slow-moving deer, but uh, mm. tonight... Uh, I was back here uh, at the house uh, just, just across in the scientific natural research area doing some archery hunting, and um, we're down on the river bottom, and they were just starting to move probably right about 4.30, uh, 4.45. I had one little buck, Rob. That's what I texted you. And said, <laughs> let, let, this, let this little guy work his way out, and then I'll call in. Yeah, the wind picked up here tonight, too. Uh, you know, that sometimes can hinder deer movement. They don't like to move as much when there's a lot of wind because they, they can't rely on their hearing as much. So I wondered if maybe that would, uh, was going to slow things down here as, uh, as Sunday wrapped up. But, uh, mm-hmm. but overall, uh, you're, I, I think we're going to probably have some good numbers given, given that the temperatures were just about perfect, I thought. I think so. I think, you know, when, when that opening morning kicked off and it was uh, down there in Lanesboro, it was a crisp uh, 30 degrees. Um, you know, we had frost all the way across the field that was out in front of us. And as that sun came out, we were really expecting uh, expecting that deer movement to get going. So I know there were uh, in the evening uh, at the same locations there around Eagle Bluff, uh, there were three or four does taken. So it uh, sounds like the deer got moving that evening. But, I, you know, we hope everybody has a chance to, to get out, harvest the deer this year, whether it's your first deer, your 15th deer. Uh, we hope everyone has success. And if you want to share that with us at BHA, you know, find us on Instagram, find us online. We'd be happy to uh, to make sure we highlight you as a conservationist, not just a hunter. Yeah, backcountryhunters.org. One last quick question. Was crop harvest down there pretty well advanced? That's not the part of the state with big, vast fields. But uh, qu- real quick, how would you uh, judge crop harvest? Crop harvest is coming out. Uh, there was, uh, I'd say they're probably around 80% complete down mm-hmm. there. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, who the governor hunted with, uh, he's one of the, the farmers in the area. Um, he was looking for a grain cart driver. So if anybody really feels like getting out there and helping out that last two weeks, let me know. Uh, but, you know, out, it, it definitely looked like a lot more coming out uh, down there than it did, uh, you know, out towards Hutchinson when I was out there pheasant hunting this uh, last couple weekends ago. Um, hopefully where farmers are seeing things dry out, we're able to uh, to get out there and start hammering some birds now that, uh, now that we've seen some deer hit the ground. Perfect. Eli, thanks for the reports. Uh, Good luck uh, this coming week and next weekend. I hope you're able to uh, put a tag on a nice deer. And uh, thanks for all you do for public lands and hunting and fishing in Minnesota and beyond. Eli, have a great evening. Rob, you too. Thanks so much. That's Eli Mansfield from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. He was one of the hosts. That was one of the host organizations down at the Governor's Deer Opener this weekend in Lanesboro. We appreciate him giving us a nice report on that event. I think we're going to get in a break. We're going to check in with uh, Pat Durkin. He's a writer for Wisconsin Outdoor News. Find out what's going on in the Badger State in the great outdoors. When we return, this is WCCO Outdoors. Welcome back to WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830 on this Sunday, November 5th, wrapping up Deer Opener Weekend 2023. We're going to devote this next segment checking in with my friend Patrick Durkin. 
an outdoors writer from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. There's a lot brewing over in that state. Their firearms deer opener will kick off two weeks from yesterday on Saturday, November 18th. A lot of Minnesotans participate in that hunt. As you know from my interview with the DNR's Barb Keller last week, these opener weekends are really important. As many as 30 to 40% of all the deer that hunters harvest during the entire year will be taken this weekend. So it's a crucial couple of days for managing these animals in, in Minnesota as well as in Wisconsin. Hey folks, as promised, I want to jump in now with a discussion with Patrick Durkin, an outdoors writer based in Wisconsin in the Eau Claire area. A lot of things going on in the Badger State, and I thought it would be fun to catch up with Pat. Uh, you can read him in Wisconsin Outdoor News as well as Meat Eater and, uh, and other other outdoor outlets. Pat, how are you doing? Very good, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good to catch up with you. You've joined me a couple times in the past. Well, hey, first off, a big story out of Wisconsin happened in late October. You had a DNR secretary over there. That's your equivalent of a DNR commissioner. That's what we call our DNR leader here in Minnesota, uh, Adam Payne. He started the job late 2022, I think it was in December. Uh, your governor right. over there, Tony Evers, appointed him. Looked like a good all-around kind of moderate guy from what I saw. Yep. I didn't do a deep dive on him, Pat. He up and decided uh, he's had enough after 10 months. Uh, that surprised folks, huh? Oh, I, I, I'd say I, I was really surprised. Like you say, 10, basically 10 months on that job, now he's out. He, um, We had him come up and talk to us at our Wisconsin Outdoor Communicators Conference back in August in Eagle River, Wisconsin. And he um, came in and gave us about a two-hour talk, took a lot of questions and answers. Uh, Dean, our secretary, I thought he seemed really well-balanced, just mm-hmm. um, not, not a guy that's going to go real high or real low. Just he's kind of He was kind of new in the job at that point. There's only like, you know, he's maybe six months in at that point, and he seemed content where he was at and seemed happy with everything going on at the DNR as far as his teamwork there, that, you know, the team he inherited. It was Evers' second appointment, you know, as a DNR secretary. So um, I'm fascinated by this when a guy who, um, you know, he's probably at an age, I don't know his exact age, but he's probably at an age where he could step down at this point in life and say, I've had enough. But you'd think if it was just um, that, um, why he took the job in the first place you yeah. know, back in January. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting decision. I think he's mid to late 50s. Uh, the statement, okay. and he talked to Tim Isley from Wisconsin Outdoor News and said that uh, his wife's parents are up in years and he and his wife need to devote more time, I think, to uh, taking care of them in, in their old age, which I, I think we can all respect. We can all uh, appreciate that. At the same time, I kind of paused and, and thought, well, they're only 10 months older than they were when you took the job. Is is that the whole story? And I guess yeah. we can speculate, but um, yeah. that's that's what we have to go on. Yeah, and, and it's it's unfair to go beyond that because you know that's a statement. And yeah, as I've I've thought over the years, on every time you have a surprise announcement, of someone leaving a job like that, definitely in, in the months after it, you t- typically don't hear a thing. It's usually years go by before right. you get other background into it that might might have been relevant, but um. On the other hand, too, when you are dealing with older people, and if that's if that's why he stepped down, older people can be fine one day and the yeah. next um, not so fine. So it can it can happen. You yeah, I really try not to be cynical. Sure, you know, <laughs> where you you like to have something to back it up before you you say something. 
Tim Isley point blank asked him, are you leaving because you're fed up dealing with the wolf management process over <laughs> right, here? Right. And, and Payne directly said, no, that is not why I'm leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he had not acknowledged that, hey, this is a, a controversial process with a lot of strong opinions, but that's not what it is. So perhaps that's a segue to where Wisconsin is, Pat, with wolf management. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a natural resources board that what the, the, the state senate over there, I voted not to confirm a whole bunch of those folks because they perhaps didn't like their position on wolf plants. So your governor instantly reappointed four new people, and they quickly passed a wolf plan. Is that kind of summarize where wolf management is over there now? Yeah, and and the plan that they approved isn't a whole lot different from the ones we've seen um, take effect in Minnesota. You know, I don't know how when you guys did yours recently, but the ones from yeah you know, when I looked at that issue a few months back for outdoor news. You really um, saw a lot of parallels between the Michigan and Minnesota plans, and you think, well, that makes sense because they're basically managing the same population of the you know the Great Lakes wolf population. So it makes some sense. You want some um, some comparable things in how you go about doing these things, and it's also our plan is also very similar to the plan they developed for the black bear plan. So, like in my opinion, it seemed to make a lot of sense the way they went about doing it. And, and the thing is, too, as, as we all know in, in this region, is that um, until the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service again delists the wolves, there's really not much we can do anyway as right. far as um, you know, shooting wolves or trapping wolves or whatever it might be. So for now, you've got a wolf plan, it sounds like. The NRB has passed it. Is yep. there still an opportunity for the legislature to kill the plan, or is that going to be pretty much the, the law yeah. of the land over there? From what I understand, and I I don't claim to be the expert in all these kind of things, but from what I understand, this is the plan now. And you know, I'm sure the board could come in and, and make modifications if if um if so desired. But it, it looks like um this is one of their things that's under the board's control, and it doesn't doesn't have to go through the legislative um, review. Like a lot of like when we set when our natural resources board sets administrative rules. That has to go through legislative review, and ultimately they they check off on it or make make them take a second look at it. But this doesn't. You know, this is a plan that um you, you like to think is based on a good mix of science and, and the sociology aspects of these issues. But the short answer is no. I don't think they can do anything about it. You're listening to WCCO Outdoors. I am Rob Jerislein. I've got Patrick Durkin with me from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We're talking about some outdoor headlines that have been brewing in the Badger State over the past couple of weeks. Hey, let's talk about something fun, and that's deer hunting. You've got a deer opener mm-hmm. over, over there on uh, November 18th, two weeks after ours, that uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving. We think our deer opener over here in Minnesota is big. Wisconsin's is, is larger. A lot of hunters heading to the woods. And uh, what's what's the forecast there? Uh, going into this weekend in Minnesota, Pat, it wasn't super optimistic that we would even mm-hmm. exceed what we did last year. Uh, any better uh, across the uh, St. Croix River? The biggest thing, the biggest news item, I think, with our deer herd right now is, um, other than chronic wasting disease, which has been with us now for 20 years, is that in the past, um, this past winter, for a good swath across the top of the state, basically from the Duluth area across the north central Wisconsin, that top tier of counties went through a very severe winter. And of course, it, it, on a personal level, it always interests me when I see um, those kind of conditions being reported. Because I, I like to hunt up in Ashland County, which is, you know, you can't go up any further north than Ashland County in this state. And when I was up there two weeks ago, it was pretty grim. I I've spent a lot of time walking around and 
doing chores around this um on the national forest just south of my friend's shack and I, I didn't find one deer track which is the first time my 20 years hunting up in that that particular spot where i've ever ever had that happen but overall though the you know our, our farm country deer are remain over goal and most of the parts of the forest up there are about about the same but at, at one area though was pretty bad so kind of a mixed bag but you know the, the thing i like to say rob in, in wisconsin if you don't like where you're hunting now it's not that hard if you're uh, flexible to hunt other places in the state absolutely uh, Spielman and I were talking last week a little bit about how there seems to be less interest among a lot of hunters to take more than one deer here in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, is that yep. a trend you've seen uh, in well, Wisconsin too? Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much a national thing where um, you can give people all the antlerless tags in the world, and you just I haven't looked at the numbers for every single state, but it's pretty much I think what you typically find in Wisconsin. I think they find that. The average Wisconsin deer hunter takes like 1.35 deer a year. You know, it's all averaged out. And for every person like me that will take, I've taken as many as five or six deer in one year when the opportunities present, that's really unusual. Right. Because I mean, you, 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 DNR, one of the fun things about um, licensing these days and uh, all, everything being electronic is you can you can get data from these agencies on how many people shoot or I register two deer, how many register three deer. And basically after you get down past the people taking two deer, it just drops right off. There's very few people taking um, more than two deer. And then even further, you know, very, very, very few taking more than three deer. It just plunges right off the cliff. Well, what do you think is causing that, Pat? It seems to me back in the 80s and 90s, people were more willing to take more than one deer. I bet that, what would you say, 1.3 deer? I bet that number has yeah. declined over the past 25 years. Yeah. Do you agree? I, I would sense it's gone down somewhat, but not. I don't think it's been a dramatic decline. I, I always think that an average guy to, to, to deal with more than one, one deer a year um, if they're, the, the way I look at it is if you're taking it and dropping it off the processor, you're, you're paying for it. And if you're doing it yourself, you're, you're putting your own time into it. And as far as all these guys who are um, willing to basically put their family on a venison diet for most of the year when it comes to red meat, it's probably not a very big number of people that really um, look at it that way. I, I look at it that way. My yeah. wife and I seldom have beef in the house. You know, We'll have pork and chicken, but... Typically, the red meat in our house is always deer, or in, when I get lucky, an, an elk. Uh-huh. So that's, I don't think it's dropped all that much over the years. I, I don't have the data, though, and I don't think anyone really has the data going back when, when everything was, was um, before the le- electronic age. Right. Pat, we're out of time, but real quick, I, you said you saw Tony Kennedy's piece in the Star Tribune about Trey yeah. Wayne's uh, yeah. buying up lots of land for outfitting, big buck hunting in uh, Buffalo yeah. County. Uh, is that uh, a story that folks in Wisconsin are talking about? Yeah, you know, I've I've heard um, people talking about like you know, typically until I read the article, it was, all you heard was most people were aware of was the fact it was a former NFL player, a former Viking, and that kind of thing. And then that you know people are getting mad about, it, and I think well, you know, it's it's one of those interesting, awkward positions we find ourselves in in a, in a democracy where um, we can't dictate how people go about buying land and how they use that land and and the agencies can't regulate you know who owns land and how they manage that land for for wildlife so it's to me i, I mean if i were king i'd say we don't do that kind of stuff but i'm not king mm-hmm. and so I, I i don't i always this kind of things make me, make me feel kind of uncomfortable but at the same time i realize well you know there's just some things we can't we can't do much about we gotta live with it and and if he's 
if it's his money and um, sure. I'm sure I'm sure the neighbors aren't always thrilled about it over there. I mean, I know well, I he, would he's, he, he's not the first person to buy up a bunch right. of land for outfitting exactly. Buffalo County either. So, right. yeah, the the wrinkle in all this could be how, what CWD means for big right. buck management and specifically deer management over in western Wisconsin, that Buffalo County yeah. area. And that's that's a little frightening. Yeah. So many factors coming into play right now. And you know, like we know that um, once the CWD gets in an area like where I hunt in Richland County, the number of big bucks starts dropping because they, they don't reach the, the age, you know, like three, four, or five years old when they get these really beautiful racks. On the, by the same token, though, we also have a declining and aging hunting population. So there's fewer hunters out there removing the surplus. And so you probably have a, still a good number of deer reaching those old ages because of the odds. But it's it's an interesting mix now, and I, I'm at an age where I know we won't um, have a definitive answer on this while I'm around. So it's a uh, it's a slow kind of a glacier-like move, movement on the on these issues, and I guess we'll see where it goes. Pat, thanks for bringing us up to speed on some uh, Wisconsin outdoor topics. Good luck deer hunting this fall. Yeah, you, know, you too, Rob. Thanks for having me on. That was our friend Pat Dirk and read him in Wisconsin Outdoor News, TheMeatEater.com, and and other outdoors outlets. Let's break. We'll have more of the show after these messages. Welcome back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors. I am Rob Dreesline. Final few minutes of this week's broadcast. Uh, some uh, final news items I thought I might bring up uh, before we go. Uh, some press releases from our Minnesota DNR alerting me to one thing. Uh, apparently, some new exotic species is in the state, something called the signal crayfish. That's a new one on me, folks. I've been an outdoors writer in this state for more than three decades. I've written a lot about these rusty crayfish. These, they're, and also, I think they're from down south. They get into our waterways. They eat everything. They're just nasty. Uh, the signal crayfish sounds somehow even more nasty. It was found in Lake Winona out in Alexandria in Douglas County. I didn't know there was another Lake Winona other than the one in Winona. When I first saw the release, I thought that was where it would be, right? A border county, it kind of makes sense that it might pop up there. But no, I guess it's Lake Winona out in Alexandria, Douglas County. Uh, they say that they're uh, somehow even a little bigger, nastier than rusty crayfish. I think the press release said sometimes at night they'll even walk, they'll come out of the water and walk, you know, from lake to lake so they can get around on their own, just not from uh, from anglers. Imagine that, you're out in the woods maybe with a flashlight and you see like this little mini lobster walking around, Hard hard pass for me. Uh, then uh, zebra mussels in three new lakes in Itasca County. Well, we've talked about zebra mussels before. They continue their slow advance. Uh, but, again, this is the time of year that sometimes these things pop up because folks are taking their docks out, uh, and and that's when you'll see, like, these zebra mussels maybe affixed to uh, some of these objects that have been in a lake all year, and, and that's why a lot of times we hear about them now. Uh, we've also had more fun here. I hate to close on, on some negative stories, but chronic wasting disease in a couple Wisconsin border counties. This occurred, uh, I found out uh, about this. Uh, it was not something that Pat Durkin and I had time to cover. Uh, one uh, a CWD found for the first time in Tremplow County, which is right across the river from Lake Winona and La Crosse, and then in Polk County, Wisconsin, right across the river from Taylor's Falls. Uh, that one found uh, near the Apple River, the town of Apple River, Probably one of the closest CWD positives to the Twin Cities Metro. I know we, I think we had one in Dakota County or several in Dakota County just south of the, of the Twin Cities. So uh, it has been found in reasonable proximity to the Twin Cities before. But this one, again, two border counties in Wisconsin, very close to Minnesota. Of course, we already have it in southeastern Minnesota. The one in Trumplow County, I think, was in northern 
like the northeast part of the county, which is actually quite a ways from the river, uh, probably getting up towards Jackson County, Osseo, that country. So it's not like it's it's you know imminent. But again, CWD continuing its slow advance west in Wisconsin. Uh, we've got in a couple spots already here in Minnesota, and it's uh, it's unfortunately uh, expanding in those areas too. Let me close out with something positive. Uh, the DNR uh, talked about walleye limits uh, for the uh, the ice fishing season. Uh, reasonable reg, you can keep one 21 to 23 inch walleye on Lake Malak. That ain't bad. Uh, and then on uh, Red Lake, uh, you can take uh, four walleyes. I think it's they got to be below 17 inches. One can be above 17. Please double check the regs. I think that's that's correct. And that's actually down from the summer regulation, which was five, but it's up from last winter's reg of three fish. So that's that's a positive thing, I think, given the the, the heavy ice fishing pressure that Red Lake gets a, a more liberal ice fishing regulation on Upper Red this year than a year ago. So uh, so some good news there. Well, hey, you hear the music? That means I am running out of time. I had a great week here. Had some great guests. Fun catching up talking about the uh, governor's deer opener and about the overall deer opener here across our fine state, the firearms deer opener. Uh, we got a lot lot to go, a couple weeks to go in parts of the state, so there's a lot of good hunting let to be, yet to be had, not only for deer but multiple other species. I'm Rob Drewsline. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to say goodbye for another week. I'll be back next week, though, with WCCO Outdoors.